Thanks for listening to Orion Talents from the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. On this show, we've talked about many of the industries that Orion works with, from semiconductors, residential construction, manufacturing, and more. Today's show will spotlight the oil and gas industry. The oil and gas industry is comprised of companies who are responsible for exploration, extraction, refining, transporting, and marketing of petroleum products. While many people only associate this industry with the gas they put in the tank of their car, oil is one of the building blocks for thousands of products we use every day, including pharmaceuticals, solvents, fertilizers, pesticides, synthetic fragrances, and plastics. In today's show, I'm talking to Steve Casey, Orion's Vice President and Resident Oil and Gas Expert. We'll talk about the similarities between the military and this industry, misconceptions about the industry, opportunities for veterans, as well as why now is a good time to begin a career in oil and gas. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe and share with a friend. We'd love to get your feedback, so make sure you give us a rating as well. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Megan. Thanks a lot for having me on this today. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, we've done a couple podcasts in the past just exploring different industries that we work with. So today we're going to talk about oil and gas. And, you know, it's considered to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest sector in the world in terms of just dollar value. And I know it's an industry that we work pretty closely with and employing hundreds of thousands of workers worldwide billions of dollars in revenue. So I want to talk a little bit more about that if any of our candidates are interested in a career. So we'll talk more about the industry in depth during the show, but first I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Well, thanks a lot, Megan. I appreciate that very much. And uh, it's definitely an exciting industry to talk about. You know, I've been in Orion now for a little over 23 years. It's hard to it's hard to believe until I look in the mirror. <laughs> but um, uh, so in that entire time, you know, I've worked in the oil and gas industry and um, have some interesting background in it. But uh, I guess real quickly about myself and why I'm on the call today, besides having worked in oil and gas for all these years uh, through Orion, um, you know, I was actually uh, born in the great oil state of Texas, you know, grew up all over the country as an Air Force military brat, like a lot of our audience probably grew up in the military. Um, grew up in another oil state in Wyoming and many years in Nebraska after that. I went to West Point for college and, uh, and thus went in the Army as an infantry officer back in the uh, Desert Storm days, so quite a while back. But um, uh, I was actually the first person at Orion uh, to place people in the oil and gas industry all those years ago when I started here, both officers and NCOs and junior enlisted uh, personnel, even the military including our first enlisted technicians in oil and gas. That was actually an offshore company way back then with Baker Hughes. So, um, you know, I've grown Orion's business across uh, many industries all over the U.S. for years, uh, run regional operations for many years here in the company, and uh, created our oil and gas industry focus group as well here years ago. So I've always led and been involved in oil and gas industry for Orion, you know, basically including hundreds of oil and gas industry company visits, all over the country, and especially a lot in Houston and Dallas and in Texas, and consulting meetings and developed uh, some large-scale military talent programs for companies in this industry. That sounds great, Steve. So you're definitely our subject matter expert here at Orion when it comes to oil and gas. So thanks for sharing all that because I think it'll be helpful for our listeners to kind of know what makes you the expert on this and really take 
into account some of the insight that you're going to give here. So you mentioned that you were um, responsible for placing some of our first candidates into careers with oil and gas. And when you first did that, and you were kind of looking at the opportunities within the industry and, you know, the skill sets that veterans have to offer and what they would bring to a civilian career, are there some similarities between the military and the oil and gas industry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there there are a lot. Um, and in the beginning all those years ago, you know, I wasn't exactly sure where to start in this industry. But after thousands of placements in the industry, I mean, we've really realized over the years there are just so many similarities. Um, uh, the only difference is some of the change in technology, but uh, but there are many. And, and really, the best way to answer this is, um, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You know, Megan, what the most important and highest desired things are that managers in the industry today always tell me. They always ask us this. You know what that is? Why? Nope. <laughs> A question for you. <laughs> All right. Well, so they always <laughs> ask first, first off, for self-disciplined, reliable, hardworking, initiative-taking, get-your-hands-dirty, technically capable, and trainable people who want to learn and grow and who have no problem working in the field, you know, and handling tougher environments, not wanting to sit inside an office all day long. And it sounds like the military, doesn't it? You know, so, exactly. um, you know, yeah. So those are the first things people really ask uh, in the oil and gas. Industry. That's what they really want to find, especially in an industry where it's very tough to find dedicated people who will do the hours out there in the field, uh, or in the refineries and other segments of the industry we can talk about in a minute. But um, managers in this industry always list the intangibles first, like I mentioned above. You know, when we ask them what makes a successful hire for them. So, and uh, it's interesting because this is uh, not all industries when, when you interview with them, do they ask and focus on the intangibles first? A lot of them focus on your technical backgrounds or engineering backgrounds and so on. But here it's the intangibles that make the biggest difference. In the military, the other similarities, you go to the field, you get used to deployments, you get used to taking initiative and working with teams on tough, challenging problems and reacting to changing situations. The difference here, though, in the oil and gas industry from the military is that you're not getting shot at, <laughs> at least hopefully not, right? <laughs> you get to sleep in a hotel or home every night, you know, you're well fed, and you will way out earn many peers who are not in the industry. Uh, but you do have to be able to work sometimes up to 12-hour shifts, you know, for 10 or 12 days and then get a week off, though, and go back home again if you're in the oil field services segment. And that's just one of several main segments of the industry. So not all jobs are like that. Some of them you are home most of the time, supporting a smaller region. Or if you're in a refinery, you'll be home every night. The field service jobs can be long hours and two weeks out of sites, you know, in some cases. But you're paid very, very well. And uh, when we talk to a lot of candidates, you know, like uh, like ours who are leaving the military, and they hear the idea of, uh-oh, you could work up to 12 hours for a handful of days in a row. They usually laugh at that because uh, we all in the military worked a lot more than that <laughs> frequently, especially on deployments. <laughs> so those are a lot of the similarities. That's why people should feel very comfortable going into the industry. Yeah, I think that's all good information. And I really like that you said that they focus on the intangibles because I think that as a veteran, a lot of times when you're coming off of active duty, you're entering into the civilian workforce, a lot of times it's your first career, they really wonder, do I have the transferable skills? So, you know, with some careers, it is a little bit more black and white, you know, connect the dots, this is what I did in the military, directly transferable to what I'm doing in the civilian career. 
sometimes it's not always that way. And so the focus on intangibles, something that does come so naturally to our military service members, it's great that this industry in particular places such a high value on those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really does. You know, across, uh, really across all the three main segments of the industry. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that, you know, with oil and gas, it's very well known. Everyone, I think what the first thing that comes to mind is you just think of gas prices and, you know, the ups and the downs and things <laughs> right. like that. So I know that there are some negative sentiments that are tied to the industry, whether it's related to, um, like I said, just the economic uncertainty or even environmental concerns, um, thinking that there are dirty jobs, that type of thing. So are there any... Right. Based on your interaction with candidates, are there any misconceptions that you hear regarding this industry? And if so, do you want to debunk some of those? Yeah, I know you bet. That's a great question. Um, and there's a handful, you know, that we've, we've come across that are pretty similar, you know, over the last few years, especially. And it, what's funny, though, is that the first thing that strikes our military veteran candidates new to the industry before the rest of it, you know, that you mentioned is the very high-tech nature of it, you know, and also the quickly advancing and changing technology in this industry. Most people don't realize that this is one of the most high-tech industries, you know, on the planet. So um, when it comes down to it, engineers love the industry and so do the technicians. So, you know, some of the downhole tools used, just for one example for you, uh, downhole tools, something goes down the big, you know, uh, well hole that's been drilled. Um, so some mm -hmm. of the tools that our people work on, would be like taking an, an MRI machine, something you get an MRI done, a scanning machine done in a, in a hospital, you know, and putting that thing in the shape of a very slender cylinder and making it withstand very high pressures and heat underground and all the dirt and all the environment. So some of the measuring trucks that they use out there that pull up to a site and do the measurement while drilling uh, uh, services, those things kind of look like garbage trucks if you see them going down the road, but those are $1 million mm -hmm. trucks and filled with sensitive equipment that you learn how to use if you're on that kind of a team. So this technology always changes. So that's the first thing that strikes most of our candidates who are really, you know, excited actually about the tech side of it and not realizing this is not the pictures from, you know, circa 1900 with, you know, 500 wells in one acre drilling straight down. <laughs> a lot different. Um, <laughs> So, but, you know, similar to the, you know, I guess, misconceptions um, that you talked about, you know, I mean, the industry uh, is always changing, you know, uh, things like the price of oil can impact it and some other things internationally around the world that OPEC does or other countries do. You know, the one thing is for sure, you know, the world always needs oil. And uh, this is another kind of surprising uh, thing. People usually think oil in terms of transportation, you know, cars, planes, gases, everything. Um, but it's also used in nearly everything else around us, all the plastic items you use every day, your clothes, and on and on and on, oil compounds are in all of it. So the need is always there. You know, it does rise and fall or can as an industry, usually in long waves, though. Um, it's not just an up and down every other year type industry, but um, the transportation you know, which is midstream and pipeline jobs, the refining jobs, those don't really take big dips. Uh, it's more so in certain segments of field services based on the exploration that's going on out there, and that's hit by rig count, one of the stats. But that's been up a lot the last three years, um, and there's all kinds of statistics you can see online about that. You know, the trade-offs really, though, again, are the pay is great. You know, you learn a ton fast. The technology is always growing and changing, 
And there's always spots for top performers and other companies in the industry. Um, and clearing up some misconceptions on jobs, you know, right now, there are over 1,200 job openings in this industry in Midland, Texas alone. That's just one place where we, you know, uh, where we drill. So 28% increase over last year. Companies just can't get their hands on enough uh, great people. And, you know, I could hit on a couple others, Megan. I'm not sure how we are for time, but, you know, there are some misconceptions about, you know, is the industry for women? You know, what's promo- promotability like? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can say this is that, you know, offshore rigs aren't, you know, aren't as many as they uh, as they were uh, before um, as far as uh, uh, many of them right now. But um, but um, they want the best talent they can find, as do all the land based oil field services companies. And uh, they're set up for women, just like the Navy is, you know, in a vessel offshore. So are rigs. Um, on the offshore rigs, you get better food, nicer rooms, sleeping arrangements, greater amenities, <laughs> and regular oil field services. Mm-hmm. Or on the land rigs, companies love to find you know women who are technical will do the work. That's why the military is a great source for them because all of our women who serve in the military are exceptional candidates for oil and gas, probably the best that exist out there. So, um, you know, one of the leading HR people I've worked with for years in the industry, uh, she. Uh, got into HR just to do her version of a shore duty assignment like the Navy would have, where you do all the field work for a while, you come back to shore for a two-year stint and go back out in the field. And she was a top-notch uh, operator who got an engineering degree, started on a field crew, you know, advanced through uh, the different crews, leadership positions, traveled the world, literally loved the lifestyle, and uh, and so on. And one of our first officer placements with a large exploration and production company, one of the biggest in the world, was a female officer who went to work as a project engineer on the Caspian Sea. So people do great jobs in this industry coming out of the military and get promoted all over the place. So that's kind of a cap on that one. Yeah. So you know what? You mentioned the technology and how that's something that, you know, is one of the first things that candidates talk about. And I know for you, having been involved in the industry and you know, working to hire veterans into the oil and gas industry for so many years, you've probably seen a lot of technological changes. Is there anything that stands out to you, whether it's technology or just something about the industry in general that's changed over the past 20 or so years? Oh, my goodness, yes, a lot. I mean, again, every time I do a tour of a manufacturing plant um, in Texas that's making the downhole oil tools to be used, um, the technology is is pretty amazing. Uh, I, I mean, the whole... The whole advent of horizontal drilling, that was the biggest one that's driven a lot of the tech changes in the industry over the last 20 years. So, I mean, it's been around for quite a while, but it gets better and better, and it changes the types of tools that uh, are needed um, and uh, uh, just in the capabilities of, uh, of, of a company to go in and uh, drill you know, uh, one hole, but to produce from a variety of different lines, they'll drill horizontally in an area. And of course, fracking technology uh, that is used in shale plays. I mean, it's it's made us realize in the U.S. that the shale plays, that's the type of rock formations, rock formations down below the surface, we can actually extract a great deal more oil and gas than we ever thought, than you ever would have realized 40 years ago or 50 years ago. They did not know about, you know, 40 years ago, um, our government thought we'd run out of oil by now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we realized that there is so much down there around the world and so much in North America alone 
we can be completely self-sustaining without an issue. We're even exporting now. This is brand new last couple of years. We're exporting uh, natural gas around the world now. We are a major exporter of, na of natural gas. It's incredible. So we've refit um, one of our terminals uh, on the uh, coast over you know, between Houston, Louisiana, um, to be an export facility and another company has built a huge brand new facility only for the sake of exporting natural gas around the world so major changes like that have happened yeah that's awesome and just speaking of misconceptions i think that's another one of them and not even just that potential candidates would have about the industry but just in general um americans even in general just thinking of the Middle East being the only place that, you know, we can get oil and not even realizing what resources we have here in the U.S. and in North America. Yeah, they're, they're enormous. I mean, uh, there's people, people talk all, all the time in the news about fracking and what is it doing, but a lot of companies are, uh, of course, producing ways to, to handle the water and solutions out in the field much better, very concerned about the impact. Um, so, and if we can do shale plays right, we have all the oil and gas we need to survive on as a nation. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about some of the soft skills that are really valued by this industry. But do you find that many of the skills learned in the military are transferable to roles in gas? And if so, are there any specific roles within this industry that are a good fit for veterans? Absolutely. You know, there are definitely a lot of the skills that are directly transferable and lots of different roles um, that are great fits. And uh, let me summarize those real quickly. So Orion's put, as a company, you know, our firm has put several thousand veterans to work in oil and gas and over 220 different companies too. And more all the time, working a lot of new ones right now again. So it's really across all spectrums of the industry. So if you think about oil and gas industry, just think about three main segments. If I'm a candidate wanting to know about this industry today, getting out of the military, you can divide it, generally speaking, into three segments, one called upstream. Those are the large exploration and production companies. And there are also a lot of service companies that service those companies doing the exploration out there in production, which is pulling the oil and gas out of the ground. So they're all sizes of service companies from 40 person companies to companies with tens of thousands of employees worldwide. The next segment is the midstream segment. And that's really like think about transporting the oil. Once you get out of the ground, where does it go? Pipelines, terminals, facilities, having to transport it to where it eventually gets refined. That's midstream. Downstream is the refining portion. So all the refineries that you see around the country, uh, that's the, called the downstream. And we have helped people uh, go to work in all segments of the industry. And of course, offshore also. Offshore is upstream, but offshore as well in rigs and vessels. So um, even supporting all the work uh, under the water on the ocean floor. So there's a lot going on out there. And positions that are good fits, um, we put a lot of people to work uh, as oil field services uh, companies, uh, operators, or equipment operators. So on the service company side, you can come into the industry and uh, without having a huge technical background, you can walk in and go learn how to be an operator, a general term they call it, to learn how to, to provide services as a crew member, doing a variety of services, supporting the drilling company out there at the site. It could be measuring what's going on down hole, setting up the systems to help measure that, a variety of services, um, or maybe even water pumping out there and handling that equipment. There's also, for the actual drilling companies, there's also rig hand positions. Some call them the old term roustabout still, of course, today. And those, again, it's the same profile person 
You could have been, you know, come from the infantry like myself and go out and do great in these roles or other parts of the military. Um, there's field service technicians, uh, and those are great jobs for all our folks that have done either been mechanics or uh, electronics uh, technicians in the military. There's a lot of controls being used out there in oil field sites. Um, field engineer roles are very popular for uh, both NCOs and officers as well. So you can have a very strong technical background and become a field engineer, or you could be have a, a, an engineering degree and become one as well to start your career. So um, everything technical out in the oil field, and especially, again, on the mechanical side, very, very popular fits. Plant and equipment operators, uh, well testing, uh, and also uh, plant operators inside refineries and the downstream side. So lots of jobs at refineries, whether it's maintenance, maintenance technician, maintenance supervision, operators again, um, to learn the industry. So the great thing about this industry is that there are a lot of jobs you can start out in, whether you're non-technical or you are technical leaving the military where they will teach you, train you, let you apprentice and learn, and add a really good salary range too. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but drivers for sure. If you're leaving the military as a driver and you still wanna drive, there are not enough drivers to go around this industry whatsoever. And that is a very easy way to get a job out there and be paid well. Um, every type of maintenance tech you can imagine. Terminal operators working at refinery and midstream locations, you know, control systems techs, uh, out in the field again, um, instrumentation techs, diesel and compressor techs, very popular as well for midstream segment, uh, for those uh, facilities that pump the gas down through the pipeline, strong compressors, um, and uh, every type of engineer, project engineers are very big. Uh, also uh, for the exploration companies working on large scale projects uh, around the world. And of course, leadership, you know, rig site leader programs are popular out there. Drill site manager positions are popular as well. Uh, EHS manager roles. So there are lots of different roles. You just have to be willing to go out and learn and show them that you can do it. Yeah, and that's good. So it sounds like they're very heavy on the technical side with lots of a variety of um, technician positions also on the engineering, but it sounds like if you don't have that background and you're more of an operations or leadership type candidate, there's still a place for you there too. Yeah, there sure are. Um, so, you know, it's, if I looked, I've looked at our statistics on, you know, our placements just as one firm in this industry. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so we have placed a hundred, many hundreds, actually, many, many hundreds of people that are enlisted E3s, E4s, E5s as operators, so that were not, um, you know, like quote unquote technicians leaving the military. They didn't. They might not have gone to one of the mechanic schools or electronics or electrical schools. They mm -hmm. just were an artilleryman, you know, um, uh, logistics person in the military or infantry or some other background, armor, you name it. Uh, but what they knew how to do was hard work hard and go to the field and make things happen with other people and be a great team member and then become a great team leader. And those folks have done great. We helped one of our clients double their retention rate by just hiring junior enlisted operator level folks who are not technicians in the military and they did great in their careers there. Yeah, and it goes back to the soft skills that you mentioned here at the beginning of the show and how those are valued and important to the oil and gas industry. And um, you know, just to stress that again, it's something that military candidates already have. So that's great that there's 
just a variety of opportunity, it sounds like. Now, continuing on the path of opportunity and talking about the opportunity that exists in the industry today, we talked about the position, but I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the industry growth and outlook, and then I know you've referenced pay a little bit, so maybe talk a little bit more about that. And then the 220 companies we work with, you, of course, do not need to go ahead and list all of those, but maybe talk about some of the biggest yeah. ones that we work with, some of the names that people would recognize, and um, maybe even some that people wouldn't recognize that are great companies that, um, you know, veterans have found success with. Sure, you bet. Um... Yes, it would take a long time to list all the companies. <laughs> so, and many of those names you haven't heard of, you know, uh, um, yeah. every year, you know, we have new clients that I I haven't heard of before, which is surprising as I read about the industry all the time. But, but so the industry growth, this is interesting. So back to exports again, you know, uh, we, we talked fracking, we mentioned shale plays, the technology, horizontal drilling, but exports. Just let me give you an example real quickly on how this is a huge new area and why this has driven the demand to keep up with ex uh, with producing natural gas out of the ground and why it's not going away. We're not only supplying ourselves in the U.S. anymore in the wintertime, you know, for houses. Um, our average exports in the first six months of 2017, exports of natural gas, uh, leaving the U.S. to go to other countries, we're around 75,000 barrels a day. Um, and that soared to an all-time high of 1.7 million barrels a day during last October, okay? 75,000 wow. to 1.7 million um, is unbelievable, you know? So, and that's mm -hmm. still increasing. So that's just a massive demand uh, that's really changed some things in the street here in the U.S. So... Um, to, you know, I guess typical posi uh, position we've talked about, but, um, the, you know, the pay yep. compared to other industries, um, you know, I, I would say this, you know, I, I look at, you know, every industry out there across the board for all the different varieties uh, of positions you can have and all the different ranks leaving the military. And I would say, I think everyone would agree um, that in oil and gas, it is uh, probably the top of pay ranges better than many industries that you can get when you leave the military. All right, so um, mm -hmm. let me give you an example of this. Our average entry-level operator, back to the equipment plant operator types, E3s, E5s that were not technicians necessarily, although we do have actually a lot of techs that go become operators because they want to learn the industry, and there's a lot of jobs available, and you can get promoted pretty quickly. So, um, But that average entry-level equipment operator or oil field services operator, which, again, can be a rig hand, a roustabout as well, or an operator in a refinery. So um, their average first year pay, total compensation, would be in the 70s to 80s first year, okay? That's huge. Mm -hmm. So, um, and uh, compared to where they might've been before. So, and for, you know, engineers, like I'm a four-year officer and I have an engineering degree, let's pretend, you know, uh, then it's 100,000 plus, using the low hundreds and beyond. So um, the pay is very large. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. Again, if you're out in the oil field, if you're doing field services and out there on a two-week stint and off for a week, uh, they're paying you um, overtime daily. Uh, it's worked into the schedule automatically when you're working those 12-hour days anyway. You're getting job site or uh, other bonuses. Um, and that doesn't even count the per diem, by the way, the total comp I listed. So and this goes mm -hmm. up from there. So everyone is excited once they see all the pay works. 
to work in the industry, but yeah. they have to understand that it comes along with the uh, with the hours out there. But for folks who have been in the field, in the military, they're not usually too concerned about those hours. They're happy they get real meals and sleep in a hotel at night, and they're back home for a week if they're on that type of a mm-hmm. cycle. Not everybody works those cycles. So, all right. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a good with, answer. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, I know that you had mentioned earlier just about the training that a lot of these companies provide and um, how you're getting paid a pretty good salary while you're there and learning about the industry. So I would think that that's a big selling point. And then also, even a lot of times where these refineries are located and where the employees might live, the cost of living is probably pretty low comparatively when you're looking at other um, locations around the U.S. and, you know, some of the major metros that you might live in. So if you're making this much with your salary and also have a low cost of living, you're really doing a lot better for yourself than you would be in a lot of these other industries. Yes, uh, that's true, too. And, and um, definitely depends on which segment in the, of the industry you're in, where the refineries are, if you're working in the downstream side like that, um, you know, around the Houston area or Louisiana or wherever they might be around the country. But, um in some of the areas, uh, because of, you know, living uh, availability, for example, you know, Midland, Texas, this is another thing people mm-hmm. ask about all the time, by the way, on, you know, uh, what's the reality out there. Um, yes, there's tons of jobs open because it serves a little Permian Basin, as it's called out there in that part of West Texas and Midland, Odessa area. Lots of drilling sites out there, lots of rigs going on right now, uh, drilling. Um, but uh, it's because of the demand, you know, it's not easy to find a house, for example, to buy out there necessarily. So um, that's why they do a lot. A lot of companies will do a rotation schedule where you do that whole go out there for, you know, up to two weeks and then back home for a week. So a lot of folks that go mm-hmm. to work in the street out of the military live in other cities in Texas and they just drive out there. A lot of folks live in DFW area wherever they want and they drive out there, show up to mm-hmm. work, do their two weeks, put up in a hotel or something, you know, and then come on back. So um, there's a lot of accommodations made uh, for situations like that where uh, cost of living might be high like Midland, uh, but they have you, you know, rotate out there. Um, And companies do the best jobs they can, by the way, to help you find where to live and how to handle that and so on. And they provide the travel money uh, in a lot of cases and and the per diems, of course, daily to handle it. So. Um, mm-hmm. we could talk about this one for a long time, Megan, but, but all in all, when it, when you, when you, when it shakes out, uh, yeah, the, the, our, our candidates are really excited about the income they get. They're excited about learning the technology, the industry. It is hard work, you know, it can't make, you know, no, don't make any, you know, a mistake about that, but typically military folks are willing to do that work. Yeah. And so just um, to kind of close this one out is the companies that we work with. So I want you to talk a little bit about some of the bigger names, but like I said, some of the ones that, you know, you mentioned you're even learning about new ones to this day, because as you've talked about already, it's just such a large industry and there's different segments of the industry. So, of course, there's a lot of companies that are part of it. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, you bet. So, um, uh, the companies we work with, again, range from the largest public ones in the world, literally, um, to and names you would recognize, ExxonMobil, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Phillips, uh, yeah. and all the way down to, to many, many, to small private companies that are a little bit newer. Um, 
So, uh, you know, like the Schlumberger's, Halberton's of the world, everybody knows those names. We do a lot of special work with, with them and in some segments and areas that are that be hard to find on your own, but but we have some good relationships there and have developed a great track record with, uh, track record with for years. So, um, and again, you know, our list spans every segment of the industry. So if you're interested in the refinery side, great. We work with a lot of companies doing that. Um, transportation, you know, the midstream side, which midstream, if you think about those pipelines, they are all over the country, Megan. So there are jobs available all over the nation in that segment of the industry, up and down those pipelines. So lots of different small towns mm-hmm. and lots of different bigger cities. So it uh, really spans the country. This is not just Texas or Louisiana. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of jobs in different segments. Most people think, oh, I'll go, you know, get in with a drilling company out in West Texas. There are jobs uh, in a lot of places. So as a matter of fact, Orion has put people to work with these companies in over 36 different states, including up in Alaska. So um, some of the smaller companies out there um, have been some of the sub-sea ones like Argus or, or uh, gosh, just so many, Reliance up in Oklahoma. So well, many, many, many different size companies, big and small, um, for oil field services and uh, everything else out there in the industry. Yeah, and that's interesting that you bring that up about the locations because I do think that one of the, going back to the misconceptions, one of the misconceptions I think is that people imagine themselves just working out, you know, in the middle of nowhere in West Texas and there not being any other opportunity for location. But, um, you know, we know that that's not the case just based on our placement history within the industry. So I appreciate you bringing that one up. Oh, you bet. Yeah, my pleasure. Is there any other advice that you would want to give to a veteran who's interested in finding a job in the oil and gas industry? Uh, Sure, you bet. Um, First off, uh, understand that companies will want someone who can learn very fast, all right? Um, And they can be comfortable with some ambiguity and some changing situations um, and who's a leader and shoulders more more than their share of the task does the hard work. And so you need to have examples of how you sought out more training and learning on your own and how you took initiative. Now, of course, these companies want to teach you and train you. They have you apprentice uh, apprentice, uh, properly. And uh, they're all about safety, by the way. Safety is huge in the industry. Um, Remember that. Of course, in the military, we get lots of safety training. But in oil and gas, you know, you do not want to have even one single safety violation. Um, They treat it more seriously than any other industry out there. So, um, so, uh, but the learn very fast part, a, a lot of companies, especially the smaller to medium-sized ones, they might not have uh, the training department set up. If they're newer to hiring veterans, if you encounter one that's new, very new to it, they might not understand how you fit in just yet. Or they might think that you don't know their exact system yet. And we used to encounter that uh, that obstacle, Megan, with some companies out there until they interviewed and learned and got somebody out there working and realized that, wow, you can do a lot more than what's on your resume. So I recommend that you, if you get an interview in the industry with the smaller to medium-sized companies at least, that you help them understand that you might have learned how to work on X, Y, and Z systems in the military, but what it really means to you, Mr. Interviewer, is this, you know, and you've got to mm-hmm. practice that answer. It's a huge one to practice. So just to let them understand, and you got to ask them questions back too, especially if you're interviewing with an oil field services manager who hasn't hired much military, doesn't know your fit there yet. Ask them, what do you see in me that relates to your industry? 
Um, what have I what I've, have I not explained well enough yet to you that I should expound some more upon in, this, in my time together with you? You know, you got to make it a conversational mm-hmm. thing. That's what they want. They want to relate to you. They need to learn, though. They need to be taught by you sometimes how you relate to that job. That's really important. That's a common, common objection that we hear. Um, so I'd, say, I'd also tell our you know, candidates out there looking into this industry, research the industry and specific companies you're interviewing with and their technology. What are they using? You know, practice again in advance how you talk about your experience and and what you've worked on, how it will relate to them specifically. Don't pigeonhole yourself into only one type of equipment you've worked on. Don't only talk about one thing. You know, they won't, they might not realize what else you can do. And then talk to people who work in the industry. Reach out to an Orion alumni, somebody we placed and ask them. Talk with our team about which positions we've seen people like you with your background excelling in. Be glad to tell you, free advice. <laughs> so, because yeah, our, our experienced recruiting team, you know, our average recruiter at Orion has been around, what, 10 years or so out of our, you know, hundreds of employees mm-hmm. here. So, so we know that fits and profiles, our whole company's worked this. So just ask us. They don't have an answer. They'll put you in the, in the hands of someone in our staff like me who will tell you. So, um, Understand you're going to be working long hours and shifts, that you must be good for a couple weeks out in the field if you're in one of those companies in that segment. Again, they're not all like that. Just be excited to learn a lot. Do some uh, do some very similar things to what you did in the military. So um, that's the basic advice I'd give people. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Steve, you've been a great guest today, and I really appreciate all the knowledge that you bring to Orion regarding the oil and gas industry, but now also to the veteran job seekers listening to this podcast who might be interested in starting their career there. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Megan. My pleasure. We love helping out everyone we can find the next step in life. And uh, we really uh, encourage you, if you are interested in this industry, to check it out, you know, do the homework on it, talk to us, and let's see if there's a good a good potential match out there. But um, we wish you all the best and thank you all for your service to our nation. And you've done many harder things in your lives already than, uh, than you'll do out in a career in corporate America. So uh, uh, good luck, everyone. Thanks again. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.